Work Podcast, a podcast for the modern parent working in the modern world. Join us as we interview leading experts in their fields to unveil the secrets working parents need to succeed at work. My name is Tom Spiegel, and I welcome you to the Parents at Work Podcast, which is a podcast for parents who want to excel at work even though they have children. Today, I'm very excited to welcome my first guest, Carla Miller who writes for the Washington Post Magazine weekly at-work advice column, where she answers questions on everything from co-worker clashes to employee rights issues. In addition to writing her column, Carla works full-time at a local accounting firm and also volunteers as a wife and a mother of two. Well, thanks for joining us today, Carla. Thanks so much for having me, Tom. I'm excited to be here. Well, um, the first thing we're going to do is, uh, since this is about parents at work, why don't you tell us about your... uh, your parents at work story? Well, my parents at work story actually starts before I technically became a parent. Um, I was pregnant with my first child at the aforementioned accounting firm. Um, I was about uh, six weeks out and I had planned to work right up until about a week or two before my due date uh, when I was going to take time off and uh, spend time getting my house in order. Well, uh, first lesson was that children don't give a happy hoot what your plans are. Uh, Six weeks before my due date, woke up and discovered my water had broken. So that pretty much uh, threw a wrench into into all my plans. I had to rush to the hospital, um, spent the night, spent a day in labor, had an emergency C-section. The second lesson I got from that was that you really do need excellent co-workers and a supportive work environment to, to survive this experience. Uh, my co-workers stepped right in. They said, no problem. We got this. We'll take over projects you were working on. They shipped my laptop to me so I could get things closed out. And they said, don't give it another thought until you're ready to come back from maternity leave. So that was my introduction to becoming an employee parent. Well, that's really, a, in some ways, a, gr- a great story. Like you say, uh, kids don't really care about your, your parent at work plan. That certainly played out for you. But what, a, I mean, a great example of how a workplace should operate for, uh, for new parents. Yeah, I have to say, my, uh, my day job is, is really terrific about being supportive of working parents, at least in my experience, within my, within my local office and group. Um, the, uh, the, the partners I've worked for, they are parents, um, even the ones who aren't parents, understand the struggles parents go through and they uh, you know we have a great deal of flexibility with regard to setting our own hours or telecommuting they're they're very results focused so as long as you are getting the work done and you are responsive or you have somebody who can be responsive for you they're not too concerned about w- whether you're putting in the face time and and counting the minutes on your uh, on your time clock that's exceptional tell me now, how old are your children now uh, now they are four and six. Very good. So you're you're almost out of the uh, at least the young child uh, weeds. You're not uh, doing diapers and all that anymore, right? Exactly. We we've moved past uh, potty training, which is which is a huge milestone. Uh, the next milestone is when they can operate the TV remote by themselves, so you get a few <laughs> extra minutes to sleep in on Saturday. <laughs> it's so true. My my cousin um, decided he wasn't going to have any more children when uh, his daughter learned how to uh, toast her own pop tart in the morning. Um, so he did not have to get up and make a bre- breakfast. He said, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm never going back. <laughs> Once you've had that taste of freedom, <laughs> it's over. Ooh. But they are, you know, they bring their own challenges. They, they don't require as much around the clock attention as infants. But, you know, each stage brings its own challenges. And there's new things you have to take into consideration with regard to work. Whereas before you take them to daycare, now, you know, they've got school, the older one's got school, public school and comes home midday. You know, how do you how do you work around that? Do you pay for more after school care? Or do you have a parent stay home with them? It's just more things that you have to juggle and take into consideration. No, absolutely. Now, so you work for an accounting firm. Are you, what is your work like? Are you an accountant or what kind of work do you do for, for the firm? Oh, heavens no. I'm a, I'm a writer and editor. I also do a bit of video production. So I'm, I'm totally on the publication side. And that's, that's another key 
factor in the flexibility I have. I do the kind of work that I could do from a laptop at home, at a coffee shop, sitting outside of dance class, uh, sitting in my car waiting for school pickup. Um, I have a great deal of flexibility with the work itself. So, and, and I can do a lot of the uh, work via email, uh, just responding to questions or uh, sending out comments and updates to people through email. And that, that goes for the column as well. Yeah. Um, well, you just can't get away from your job. You went from your day job to, uh, to, to doing more creative work for the Post. You're just an addict. It's 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 pretty much round the clock. I mean, it's it, it, and on one hand, I have this freedom. And on the other, I'm really it's really a struggle to set these boundaries between the day job and the side gig and the parenting gig. And, you know, then just sort of taking care of my basic <laughs> basic bottom of the pyramid needs like eating right and getting enough sleep and getting exercise. No, absolutely. Even when you've got ideal circumstances when my work is much the same, I think for many lawyers, as long as you've got you know, a laptop and or sometimes even a phone uh, and Wi-Fi, you can, you can, within reason, work anywhere. I've often wondered how, I mean, one of the reasons I got into this line of work is that I don't know how parents that, that lack that flexibility, how they make it work. It really is a, I just can't, I just don't know, because it's hard enough when you can, within reason, leave work when you need to, to take care of um, childcare needs, which, as you mentioned, don't often follow plan. Right. And do you, I mean, do you find sometimes you feel like you maybe put in more work than you would if you had a, a set number of hours and then you knock off at that time? Yeah, no question. <laughs> it just sort of bleeds into everything. But that's, you know, that's also, you know, that's the price of having a job with autonomy and freedom and flexibility. And you, yeah. you need freedom, you need flexibility, you need money, you need time, you need a support system, either family or a paid support system, just some combination of all these things in varying amounts. And, you know, like you, I, I wonder people who don't have that kind of freedom and flexibility. I mean, you make it work as a parent, but it's a real struggle. And everybody has a different solution and a different patchwork of solutions. And uh, the best we can do is sort of support each other's, you know, uh, choices and help each other however we can. Yeah, absolutely. I think, you know, with the flexibility issue, you're right. It is almost this low level of constant stress because you and this is of course not just with parents with you know parents at work but for a lot of um, modern day workers that uh, you know the beauty is you can work from anywhere and the curse is you can work from anywhere you know and this might be a good segue you and I had kind of spoken brief and briefly or corresponded briefly about you know the viral video of that hapless interview <laughs> I mean the reason it went viral is because it is I mean there are a lot of and again I, you know as I just have to say that we are lucky to have these problems but nevertheless I think there are a lot of professional parents who can recognize that that in their own lives and that pain point oh yeah absolutely that <laughs> that resonated so hard with me just the uh, you have this you have this veneer of a professional and then life just oh, the chaos just comes spilling in behind you and if, if ever a child exemplified that attitude of I don't care what your plans are <laughs> it was his little daughter just kind of marching in behind him with, without a care in the world and you can't help laughing and you feel for the guy and you feel for the family and you know that they all live each other no matter what. It's it. You can tell he's finally he's just like, you know, I can't I just got to go with this. I can't uh, <laughs> I can't control this. This is my life. And I think we all get that and we all understand. Uh, yeah, that's that's absolutely true. Did you see the other video that went around a little bit out of a spoof on that, but of the woman? Oh, yes. Yes. The the parody with the uh, with the mom encountering the same the same thing. But she picks up the baby, feeds her a bottle, people bringing her work as she's continuing to talk at the screen and uh, diffusing a bomb. Right. All unflappable uh, while she's doing it. I, I definitely identified with that, except for the unflappable part. I mean, I'm, I'm in a constant whirl, and I feel like the tension is the only thing holding me together sometimes. It's, uh, yeah, it's a, it's a, a very good point. Well, I want to circle back in a minute to how you make it work uh, at work or don't, and some of that you touched on. But let me ask you this, which is the point raised by that video, that there still is a 
something of a double standard that while more men are participating in childcare while, you know, while working, I, I don't know the video directly got at this, but they are praised for that. Uh, whereas women, it's sort of, this is just supposed to, this is supposed to how Right. This is just a day in the life. No. I, I, and I thought that the parody video really did a good job of highlighting that. That's sort of, it was a quote, I think from Gloria Steinem, um, who said that, uh, we, we've accepted, or most of us has, have accepted that women can do everything men can do, but we haven't quite accepted that men can do everything women can do. Now, obviously, that's a huge generalization. And there are, you know, lots of dads out there doing the same things. Um, and just it's they just take it in their stride. And that's just how it is. And it's a you know, everybody's just going to have to get used to it. But there are some lingering, you know, vestiges of of, you know, moms feeling more of the stress and feeling more responsibility for taking on that, you know, those all, all those other side tasks being the uh, the default parent. Right. No, absolutely. I see that in our, our own life um, with what's expected of my wife. And, and I think it's not, you know, some of it is um, comes across as benign, but I will get credit for doing not, not so much for my wife, although for my wife, too. Uh, I will get credit from other people. <laughs> for, you know, stepping up and helping to take care of the kids, whereas a woman necessarily wouldn't. And it's not that I think people are trying to have a double standard, but I think it's still, it's still when a man does it, it's like, you know, you get an attaboy for doing it. <laughs> get a cookie. Yeah, and, and when, yeah. Well, let me ask you, as, your, as, your, as a writer and given the, the workplace advice column that you write, what or and I know you're not specifically all the time dealing with parent issues, although you've got a number of good good columns on it that we'll put in the show notes. But what kind of things are and I know you don't write about every scenario that comes across your desk. So do you get a sense of what's your view as a professional and a writer who works in the you know, work advice space? Like what's going on? What do you see happening with parenting and working the working world? Well, the the questions I've gotten, um, they tend to be either from from parents who feel stressed and harried and judged or feel like they're being overlooked for, you know, career opportunities versus their child-free co- colleagues who feel that, you know, everything's sort of getting dumped on them. They're expected to carry the bulk of the work because the parents have to go and take care of their kids. I I have been on both sides of that. I remember what it's like to feel, to be a, you know, a young worker starting out and feeling like you know, I'm not married, I don't have a house and kids to look after. So my concerns sort of take a backseat to everybody else's, or like my concerns don't matter as much. And, you know, there's that tension there, and and feeling like it doesn't matter and trying to, to say, hey, my life does matter. I'm, you know, I'm going to school. I have personal issues. I have, you know, parents and pets and friends to take care of. And I should be given, you know, as much time and flexibility to deal with those things as my colleagues who have kids. Yeah, absolutely. I, I see both sides of it is, is what I'm saying. Yeah, I think that's right. I remember I distinctly remember, you know, before children and, and we didn't have children. And I was in my early 30s. So I had a fair amount of work experience before we had children. And, um, you know, you just. And just fundamentally, not realizing it at the time until, until after I had kids, uh, fundamentally misunderstanding the, the difficulty involved in working, you know, working while you have children. I remember I was working as a clerk for, for a judge and um, fantastic, fantastic judge. But I was childless at the time and I would get there early, early in the morning, like seven, seven o'clock. You know, I'd be leaving my house, you know, five thirty at, at six and get a bunch of work done. And he'd come in you know, nine, nine thirty. And I remember thinking, well, you know, when you get to be a judge, you can do that. You can kind of, you know, set your own schedule. Well, he had, he had three children at the time, two of them very young twins. And it wasn't until after I had my own kids that I'm like, wow, I'm impressed that he got to work at nine thirty as put together as he was. (laughs) Upright with pants on. Right. Right. Ready, looking professional and ready to come to work. And, you know, one of the things that I wish my younger son, I don't, I don't, I understand the perspective. I understand a worker who doesn't have children, you know, having a coworker who does have children, there are interruptions and that, that's just, when you have children, that's just the way, way it, it is. And I can understand the sentiment that, hey, this is unfair, but the, what I wish I, my younger self had known is that 
most of these parents, not they don't love their children, but they would rather be at work uninterrupted. <laughs> they don't want. Oh, yes. They don't want. It's no picnic to go home and take care of a sick kid or to have to, you know, rush out the door because you're the one responsible for getting dinner on the table and you've already fed them spaghetti for three nights in a row and you got. <laughs> Uh, you know, or, or you know, McDonald's. Right, and so, right. In my case, exactly. I, I'll admit that the days when I have to commute downtown because I, I actually have to be on site at work. Sometimes it's actually kind of kind of a nice change of pace because I get up and I you know I shower and I get dressed and I get myself ready and it almost feels like an indulgence because I can say. Uh, look, I can't handle the kids. This is going to have to be on you because I got to get myself ready and out the door. I might drop them off at school and daycare, but for the most part, it's all about me. And when I get to work, I can just focus on work. So, yeah, I absolutely feel feel that sense of relief sometimes when I have that uninterrupted time to focus on the job. Yeah. No, I, I feel much the same. I joke that um, I go to work to relax, you know, because I can – check CNN and do things like you know, use the restroom uninterrupted, you know, little luxuries like that. that I'm, uh, or, or, or driving, driving to work and you can, can just, you can, can listen, listen to NPR or podcasts instead of the Moana soundtrack, <laughs> which I enjoy the Moana soundtrack, don't get me wrong, but uh, there's only so many times I can, I, I, I can sing You're Welcome. Right. No, I know. I, I completely get and, and you don't have to have a perfect answer to this. I, I certainly don't. But are there... How do you make it work? What are the tips or tricks or anything that you've learned to help you be successful as a as a parent with uh, with two high powered jobs? <laughs> How do I make it work? Uh, that you know that's a really good question, and it's one I ask myself all the time. What am I doing? How how am I making this work? And it honestly it changes from day to day depending on you know, the age of the kids, what my work schedule is like, what the situation demands. Uh, but I try to come up with some general principles to just sort of keep me just this side of sane. Um, one, one tip uh, that I'd share is, is, is something I picked up just through observing other parents. Uh, especially as a new parent, you feel that, you know, everything revolves around the kids and making everything work with the kids and your job. And you feel this need to explain yourself You say, Oh, I can't make that. I have, you know, my, my kid has a doctor's appointment. I've got to get him checked out. He's been having these recurring ear infections. And that's not really, you know, that level of detail isn't really necessary. Most of the time, I would say one big tip for parents to sort of help keep the balance and help keep a little more separation between your work and personal life is don't overshare when you have a conflict. Um, I, I can't make a meeting that day. Oh, I have a conflict. I have an appointment that I can't move. Can we try this time instead? Um, and, you know, some of it is a sense of maybe, maybe a sense of guilt or feeling that you have to justify your absence. But I find that the more you reveal about your personal situation sometimes, the more it invites maybe comparisons and resentment. Um, you know, from those colleagues who might say, oh, of course, it's the kids. It's always about the kids. I guess the kids are more important than this, this presentation. Um, whereas if you just don't share that level of detail, people say, oh, you have a conflict. Okay, well, you know, we'll, we'll work something else out. And of course, this is all assuming that you are the kind of responsible employee who does try to, you know, fit in all the obligations um, and is responsible and is reliable so that when you do have a conflict, your manager's more likely to understand. Right. No, I think that's a, that's a good point. You know, you don't need to feel guilty. And the fact I think without perhaps meaning to, and I have caught myself when you, as you were talking about like, well, how many times have I done that? Um, you know, talked about some responsibility I had with my family that precluded me from doing something when I should not have done that. Because I think it, 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 um, it does communicate that, that perhaps like you need a special exception, but you know, you know, people are unavailable, you know, for any number of reasons, maybe you have a, you know, and maybe it's, it doesn't have to be, maybe it's conflicting work situation. Maybe it's something else. Maybe it's a doctor's appointment and the person on the other side doesn't necessarily need to, nor do they want to know that, but you're right. There is this compulsion. I felt it before to say, 
you know, sorry, I can't make that call because I have to go pick up my daughter or go, you know, take somebody to the orthodontist or whatever it is. And, and that's not necessary. Just I, I can't make that, the meeting at that time. And other people, other people will deal with it. And, on the, it, you know, and it depends, too, on how close you are with your colleagues. If it's going to be something, uh, you know, that's it's more long term. For example, my older daughter needed needed surgery, needed tons, tonsils out. And I knew that this was going to be a long recovery period and she was going to need sort of round the clock attention for, for some time. So I communicated that to my colleagues. I said, OK, I'm going to this is how I'm going to make it work. I'm going to take some half days. These hours of the day, I'm not going to be responsive. These hours of the day, I will be online and, and able to talk with you. And, you know, of course, I let them know about the situation because it was it was kind of a big deal. And they completely understood. They respected it. They sympathized. They actually sent a care package for my daughter to sort of cheer her up during her recovery. And we, we all we all made it work. But it's a, it was a combination of them being supportive and understanding and me trying very hard not to take advantage of that sympathy. Yeah. Well, that's a, you got some, you got some great, great colleagues. Uh, you know, and I wonder again, if this is an area where the rules are a little bit different for men than women. Uh, you know, if a man can say to someone, you know, I need to leave early cause I got to, you know, coach my son's soccer team. If they will not, even if people are, even if it's subconscious, if they will not be penalized in a way that a woman might be, you know, because as you and I know, there there is there is still a stereotype that you know the woman with children is not as committed to her work as as a man with children is. Uh, yeah, I mean that's that's possible, and I think it's you know as you say it's it's probably subconscious, and it's based on the models that we see around us and the models that we grew up with. Um, it's Sometimes it takes extra effort, uh, especially, you know, if you haven't been there and even if you have been there to try to remember what it was like and to understand that even though you may have grown up with this model or as a parent, you didn't experience this kind of pressure, things are changing and other people have different situations and every family's different. Absolutely. Let me ask you this. How did you get interested in workplace issues? Well, just uh, being in the workplace, you know, there's just sort of fodder all around. I, back in 2011, the Washington Post magazine put out an ad saying, I would like to have a, a, a contest to see who provides the best workplace advice. And I am an advice column junkie. I love writing. I did some problem solving in my day job. Um, I, I, I later heard this from my from my colleagues that I was sort of the person that they would go to when they had a sticky situation, sticky political or interpersonal situation, um, they would come talk it through with me. And I didn't, I didn't realize how much this happened, but apparently it was um, something that some of my friend, work friends really came to rely on me for. So I, you know, I had a good deal of curiosity about solving problems and looking at situations and trying to sort of put a narrative on it. Like when you're faced with a problem, if you can turn it into sort of a story or an object lesson, that helps you sort of get control of it. Uh, it helps you, gives you a, a box to put it in. It gives you some perspective. So that's the sort of thing I, I just sort of enjoyed doing anyway. And when I saw this ad for this contest, you know, I had a six-month-old baby at the time. When I showed it to my husband, said, what do you think? And he looks at me and he says, do it. Absolutely, do it. So um, weekends I would spend uh, entering this contest, uh, writing pieces every week, we finalists had to answer a question. Readers would go online and vote for their favorite answers. And there was a panel of judges, uh, Washington Post uh, columnists and editors, and uh, also some HR professionals. And Carolyn Hacks, by the way, um, would, would take a look at the answers as well. Uh, yeah, that was <laughs> talk about starry eyed. So, yeah, so it, it was a, a four week competition, different challenge every week. And I, you know, uh, after the last day, I got a call from the people running the contest, and they said, we like yours the best. We'd like you to, to write these four columns for us. I said, okay. So I wrote four columns. They got a pretty good response. The editor of the magazine, Lynn Medford, said, well, would you be open to maybe writing four more for us? And I said, sure. Yeah, I'd ha be happy to. 
And then she just forgot to fire me or something. They just, <laughs> I kept uh, sending in, in columns and they kept accepting them. And it's, it, it's been five years and it's just been the most amazing opportunity and so much fun. And I've learned so much from it. I'm happy to be here for as long as they'll have me. Yeah, well, I think I think they're lucky to have you. Um, I I love your column, and and I remember when, you know, after I had started my firm and and was doing a lot of writing and focusing on, of course, workplace issues, but also caregiver discrimination and pregnancy discrimination. A colleague of mine said, "Wow, if you can, if you can just get Carla to write about a write about one of your, <laughs> if you can get." Her- <laughs> That's a true story. If you can get if you can get her column, man, you will. That's what you need to do. And I was like, you're right. That's exa- absolutely right. <laughs> so is that like the Carla bump? <laughs> That's right. So you, whether you know it or not, you're, you've got some celebrity out there. Wow. I, I mean, I guess I shouldn't be surprised. I there, there are people who read the Washington Post magazine. It's but oh, I, yeah. I, I'm always you know it always feels kind of like a local a local magazine to me. But no, I yeah. I was happy to hear from you uh, when you contacted me and read your book, loved it, thought this is a really good resource that that I can tap into, your book on uh, pregnancy discrimination. It wasn't just about pregnancy discrimination. It was about all kinds of discrimination and what, you know, employees are entitled to and where they can turn when they feel like they're not getting a fair shake. Yeah, well, there are a lot of, you know, as you know, workplace Issues are complicated generally, but if you add the the law aspect over top of that, it becomes even even more so. Well, let me ask you, um, given your your line of work, do you have a perspective? And you may not as much because you you hear, I think, mostly from from employees. But what management concerns are, particularly about uh, you know having having workers uh, with young children or with any kind of caregiving responsibilities? Do you get a sense of what their challenges are and what does and doesn't work? And you may not, but if you had a perspective, I thought I'd, I thought well, we'd... Well, I, I haven't heard as many complaints directly from managers, but I can sort of, I think I can sort of intuit based on what, you know, coworkers have to say about each other. I mean, if you're a manager and you've got some workers who have kids and some workers who are child-free, the challenge is finding the balance so that the work gets done, but you're still respecting individual workers' needs, like giving them the flexibility they need, but still, um, you know, make, making sure that they're they're reliable and they're that they're doing what they need to do, and understanding the reality that with kids, uh, you, you know, the school calls and your kid is sick. What are you going to do? Uh, or your kid is home from school. You know, under a certain age, there's really nothing the parent can do except stay at home with them or bring them to work. Uh, so there's there, there's kind of hard hard limits there, yeah. but at the same time, respect that you know child free workers have lives too, and they have responsibilities. They may be taking care of people, they may have their own health issues that they need to to look after, um, or they may you know they may have things like education. They're trying to get training, get ahead in their career. You know how do you how do you respect those needs as well? So I, you know, I I understand the challenge for managers and some managers maybe one example, I remember reading a study saying that uh, male managers who had a stay at home wife who took care of the kids had a harder time sort of understanding the struggles of, you know, the moms who worked in their office and dads who worked in their office who were, you know, heavily involved in their in their kids upbringing. It was an adjustment for them because they said, well, you know, I have this model. I have no trouble getting ahead in my career and and focusing on my job. I don't understand why it's so hard for them. Yeah. It it depends on that model that you that you've experienced yourself and being able to sort of break out of that box of your experience to really listen to your your workers concerns. Yeah, I think that's I think that's right. I, I wonder if it's a bit of a double edged sword for for management, because on the one hand, you're right. If, unless you, uh, even if you have children, if you have not been the one who's had to been the primary caregiver for any particular amount of time and try to get work done, chances are you still may not get it. Uh, I, I mean, I recall after you know when we had our first child um, and Anne had a stayed home from maternity leave. You know, I mean, right? I'd been <laughs> he was my child. I was there there in the evenings for him, but uh, it wasn't until 
she went by for maternity leave and I had my first, you know, extended time of having to, you know, care for him and try to get work done that I really, it just didn't hit home for me before. I remember I would get home in my suit uh, when she was home from maternity leave and I couldn't even get my tie off before she stuck that baby in my <laughs> hands. And I remember at the time being like, come on, give me at least 10 minutes to get my suit off. Like you've, I, I didn't say this to her, but really sort of my thinking was you've been at home all day. I've been at work. And of course that was just complete ignorance, right? Because as we've just discussed, I mean, being at home with a child full time, while it certainly is a a blessing in some ways, it is extraordinarily difficult. You don't have a second to yourself. And it wasn't until I had to do it on my own that I got it. Like as soon as another adult walks into your purview, you you get a chance to go to the restroom or just sit down or just, you know, have a moment of peace. Of course, you're going to stick that baby somewhere, somewhere else. So you're right. If you've got a manager who has not experienced that, even though they have children because they have a full-time spouse at home. They may not have the perspective of what it's like to try to care for a child and work at the same time. I also wonder, you know, if if it isn't, you know, damned if you do, damned if you don't, that if you have a manager who has done that, that he or she might be leery because they know how hard it is. They you might know? be, you know, lean too far the other direction. Yeah. Right. You know, at the expense of their child-free, you know, employees. Exactly. Or, or or they might say, you know what, like, again, maybe it's subconscious, say, you know what, like, I'm not going to give that promotion to the new dad or the new mom, not because I think they aren't capable, but because I remember what it was like when I had young kids, like, I could just barely keep it together, when that may not be true. I mean, it may not be true for the person who's, you don't know what their situation is, and, and you've got to... Of course, by law, presume that they can, uh, they won't be affected by by their children. But I do wonder. Um, it's a lot of cross currents there for for managers when, you know, drawing on their own perspectives about how uh, a new child is gonna gonna affect a worker. Well, I had a uh, I had actually a really interesting letter on on this uh, from a a new mom who had you know gone on maternity leave and come back, and her boss was extremely concerned about her being able to you know, balance her home and her work life. And he was so concerned that he sent a letter to her husband <laughs> saying, look, you know, I, I want to, I, did you consult on that one? Yeah, yeah, I remember this one. We talked about that one. Yeah. yeah. He was so concerned about it that he, he wrote her husband and said, look, you know, I want to make sure that your wife is, you know, that, that this job isn't interfering with her home life and her home duties in any way, <laughs> which... You know, bless his heart, uh, you know, as we say in the South, but that was entirely inappropriate. It was the, the boss crossing the uh, the home life boundary, even though the you know his, his employee had gone to great lengths to say, no, I'm fine. I, I have the support I need. I appreciate the flexibility, but I don't need any extraordinary, you know, attention or, or accommodations to make this work. Yeah, no, that was a that was a fascinating story, and I remember you got a lot of uh, reader response on that, and mostly from women who were like, "What was he thinking um, doing that?" But, you know, I mean, you don't want to you don't want to be too hard on him because you're sure he meant well, but entirely inappropriate. Right, right, and that and that is a tough spot for managers that that even paternalism like that, even though it is, I think in his. In his example, it was uh, it was too retro. But nevertheless, one could imagine a more appropriate paternalistic response to a parent with a young child at home. Um, but uh, but that too can get you in trouble. You've got to assume as a manager that 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 worker is going to be the the exact same as when they as when they you know, before they had children. It's a, I mean, I, it, it can be it can be tough water sometimes for, for oh, managers. That and that brings up a, another issue. I mean, there. I, you know, certainly there are workers who will take advantage of parental status to, you know, to sort of slough off responsibilities or, you know, um, sort of reach for reach for accommodations that they don't actually need using sort of their kids as an excuse. And I hate to say that because so many people make that assumption anyway. But I, you know, I realize that there are workers in all kinds of situations who will abuse their situation to try to uh, to get a better deal. But 
the as you said, you need to look at the worker and say, is this the same as this person was before? I mean, somebody who's going to use their kids as an excuse is also the same person who is probably calling in late or or calling off saying, oh, my car broke down or <laughs> I have a cold or, you know, some some situation came up that they, they, they've always got something going on that's keeping them from from performing their best. Right. Absolutely. Because if you I mean, if you had kids in order to get a, so you could get some time away from work, well, then you're just. <laughs> <laughs> well, <laughs> you um, you went to a lot of trouble when you could have had a more, uh, you know, if, you're, if what you're doing is looking for a way to get out of work early, there are easier ways to do it. But <laughs> Yeah, there's that, that's just borrowing trouble as far as I'm concerned. <laughs> but, but yeah, I mean, you, you get a sense for the people who are who are responsible and really trying to do their best and trying to juggle their responsibilities and, and, and versus the ones who are, you know, will just take any excuse. Um, it, it, you get a sense for that and you can, you can deal with them appropriately. It's just that if they, if these, if the slackers have a protected status of some sort, you know, you have to be extra careful and document and, you know, make sure that you're not um, treating them differently. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and I, I think, you know, in the long run, uh, you know, as a as a manager, you will be from a selfish perspective, you will be better off if you, uh, you know, the very least treat fairly the, the new parent or somebody with caregiving responsibilities, um, you know, in order to keep them in the boat, because they're going to be very loyal to you. They are going to you know, like once you've got kids, you got to ratchet up the efficiency as much as possible to get stuff done. And you learn how to do it. I mean, you just learn how to, what did somebody say? If you want something done, you know, um, ask a mother, um, maybe father <laughs> too, because you know, they, you just figure out that you got to, you got to figure out how to move the ball and they'll do that at work too. So I think it's, and I know I'm preaching to the choir here with you, but that it's really short-sighted um, to, to railroad a, a parent or somebody with caregiver responsibilities out of the workplace, um, you know, because they, they often are very good workers. Or based on assumptions about, yeah. And I have a great story about that. When I, uh, uh, I, I had a, a change in managers uh, between, between kids and my first manager was a mom, you know, a mom of four and completely understood, you know, all the ins and outs. And so I was not, not, too concerned, but a little, you know, like I wasn't sure. The next manager I had didn't have kids. Uh, but when I talked to her, she said, oh, I love, I love having new moms because they get twice as much done in half the time. And I really appreciated that vote of confidence, but it, it's true. As you say, you learn to be more efficient. You learn to fill the spaces between the spaces. I get more, as a new mom, I got more done in four hours or about the same amount of work done in four hours as I would normally stretch over an eight-hour day. Because when, when you don't have kids to get back to, you're like, oh, you know, I'll take it, spend a little time on Facebook or do some online right. shopping, take a long lunch. When you're a parent and you know that you have to beat that daycare pickup cutoff time. Or, or, or whenever that call is coming, right? Whenever that unexpected call is coming, you're like, I don't have any luxury because any moment now I could get a call from school. Your child needs stitches. Uh. <laughs> you get this laser focus and you just bear down and you get the stuff done faster than you ever thought possible. Yeah, I think that's absolutely right. Well, um, before I go into my last question here about any uh tech tips or anything that you might have, uh, if you have any. Is there anything else that we haven't talked about you think that's important um, for managers or for new parents, any perspectives that you've gotten both as a working mom but in, and your, uh, your other job as a writer about workplace issues? Yeah, no, I'm just, I'm sort of thinking it over. Um, I mean, it just, it comes back to, again, trying to understand that there's a, a broad spectrum of parenting and work situations. Uh, try to take into account your employee parents as well as your child-free employees. If you're child-free, maybe sometimes working with parents can give you opportunities. Uh, my When I first started at this accounting firm, when I first came on, someone was going out on maternity leave and I ended up taking over a publication for her. And that was sort of my way of 
proving and establishing myself because uh, she was out of the picture and I took over the publication for a while until she came back from maternity leave. That gave me an opportunity that I might not otherwise have had to prove myself. And also I would urge people to remember that this, uh, you know, most of this is temporary. People with newborns who come staggering in half awake, that's a temporary thing. It's, it's only going to be a few years that it's like that. And even if somebody sort of steps back to do the, the mommy track or the daddy track, um, once their kids move out of that phase, they can ramp back up and pick up their career again and keep going. And it's really a very small piece out of a long career. So it doesn't have to permanently derail you or set you back. Yeah, absolutely. You know, it made me think about um, a story. I believe it was in the the post. This was a while back, and it was actually about age discrimination um, and what a devastating impact it can have. But they they were they were profiling a. I don't remember if he was an attorney, but he was some kind of professional who had been laid off. And his point, which I thought was a good one, he's like, "This is the worst time to lay me off, like for the for the company because." My kids are now out of the house. He's like, all I've got now is time to work. Like, this is the time to, you know, uh, time to keep me on. So I think to your point that, you know, if there is a disruption in workplace performance, it, it will be temporary. Kids do have the, you know, uh, the nasty habit of growing up. And, and <laughs> as, as much as we complain about when, them, when they're little, uh, it is it is a short, a short time. And, and you know, even from our oldest now, uh, you know, he's... Not in any sense like pulling away, but he just doesn't need me as he, as much as he used to. So it is a, a finite amount of time um, for, you know, for um, and, and particularly for workplaces where, uh, you know, the, the workplace has invested many thousands, sometimes tens of thousands of dollars in training, um, training that person. I mean, we see this in law firms all the time, like. I mean, you're just letting that money walk out. I mean, just from a selfish perspective, of course, we should do the right thing and support people who have children and uh, pregnant women. But just from a selfish perspective for the company, I don't let that training walk out the door just because they're sleep deprived for a, for a six months uh, stretch of time. Right. Take take the long perspective. You know, look at look at the length of their career and what they're contributing overall. And, and try to be accommodating of that, as you would for somebody who needs to take a sabbatical for any other reason, um, for travel or for further training or for, for medical leave. Um, it's really, if you want to build good relationships and have long-term employees with institutional knowledge, you need to sort of respect the length of their career and understand that a short setback is just that. Yeah. I, I you know there was an article I saw in um, to that point in Inc. magazine some months back now, you know, which is a magazine for entrepreneurs. And there was a, um, a storied businessman who writes a column. I'm going to blank on his first name, but his last name is Brodsky. And, uh, you know, and his point was, don't look at pregnancy or uh, as a as a negative, look at it as or any. I mean, his point also to yours was: there are any number of reasons that your workplace can be disrupted um, by a worker having to take some time away. Uh, pregnancy Absolutely. is one of them. But his point was like: don't look at that as a negative. Look at that as a way to build a company culture, like it sounds like the one that you are in, Carla, that supports that kind of um, human need. Uh, because that's going to allow for a stronger workplace. So don't I mean look at it as the business should look at it as an opportunity to to grow rather than oh this is something we have to put up with. And and you know as as an opportunity to provide openings to uh, other people who maybe are looking to try something a little different and maybe they can they can fill in for those needs and develop new skills and it develops a sense of camaraderie when you're sort of. Uh, looking after each other and taking care of each other's needs. Um, there was another column I had where somebody um, was complaining because her her colleague had gone on maternity leave, and so this this reader had been taking on the the new mom's work. And then when the new mom came back, there was not a word of thanks from either her or from the manager to this worker who had been doing all this stuff for her. And I said, well, you know, give her a little time to readjust and, and get back in the swing of things. But then, you know, may, maybe bring it up and say, hey, uh, you know, were there any problems with these things that uh, that I handled while you were out? 
it's sort of a reminder. And it was really on the, uh, the new mom and the manager to say, hey, we recognize that you stepped up and you filled in and we really appreciate it. Yeah, sure. Because it is a lot of work. You know, when you've got, you know, you got somebody who's been a, you know, a key player and they have to take time away for for any reason. Um, you know, it is it is a strain on the rest of the of the workplace, even if you do everything right as a company and everybody's cross trained. You know, the truth is there's just more work for some people to get done. Um, so absolutely. Uh, management needs to to recognize the folks who step in to fill in the gap and to give them opportunities to you know, take similar time away from work. I you know, why not have a, why not have a policy that gives people any number of, of reasons or abilities to take some kind of sabbatical, whether it's for childcare or because you want to take a trip to Europe, um, you know, to give people that time, that time away from work. Absolutely. Well, I um, I want to thank you for joining us. I had two two final questions for you. Uh, one is, uh, are there any technological tips or tricks or anything that you use that have helped you as a parent, a working parent? And the last question is, what one piece of advice would you, knowing what you know now, would you give your pre-kid Carla uh, before you had kids? What would you, if you could have gone back and told yourself one thing, what would it be? Okay, well, let's start with the uh, the technology question. Um, I don't know how technological this is, but uh, lists are my lifeline. I make lists all the time. Uh, it used to be on sticky notes or, you know, on the back of my hand or whatever. Uh, but now I use uh, this the, this feature in my in my outlook, uh, the, the, the this sort of notes feature. it's it, It's kind of like a virtual sticky note. And whenever I have intrusive thoughts, because inevitably when I'm working, I'll think of personal things that I need to take care of. And when I'm taking care of personal things, I think about work issues that crop up. So I have a list for work things and a list for personal things. And when these ideas pop into my head, I open up that note, I type it down on that list, and then it's out. It's, you know, it's, it's recorded there and I don't have to think about it any longer. And I can get back to focusing on the task at hand. So it's, uh, it's, you know, maybe, maybe not super high tech, but it's, it's what works for me and sort of helps keep my, my frantic brain, you know, on, uh, uh, corralled. Let me ask you before, before you get the next question, let me ask you, is this the list making, which I think is a, a really important skill to have. And, and it's not one that I'm, I am great at, but when I do make a list, it, it does make a difference. Is this something that you share with your family that you use at the at your home too or is this mostly for you personally to make sure all the trains are running on time this is this is just for me um and then sometimes i will delegate some things i'll see something on the list and i'll uh, either ask my husband or I'll, I'll send him a note and say hey you know could you take care of this you know delegating and right. and sort of spreading it around a little bit because i realize there are too many things on this list i'm not going to get to all of them this needs to be done by you know a certain time and, you know, if he's free, he will he will take it. Got it. Got it. All right. Well, what, what about the last question? The pre pre child, pre kid Carla, what would you tell her? Yeah, what I would have told pre kid Carla, uh, getting back to the, the, the delegation thing. Um, well, first of all, I had I had no idea what what motherhood was going to do to me when you have, an, you know, an emergency premature birth, uh, the physical and emotional and mental toll it takes on you. Uh, I wish I had known and given myself space to to accept that it was going to take time to bounce back from that. I really wanted to just bounce right back into work, and I needed to uh, accept that while while a lot of moms do bounce right back, I, my situation was such that I was not going to be one of them. That I needed to to take my time and ease in. But the bigger lesson was to learn to ask for what I want, and only for what I want. To not take on responsibilities or duties that I felt that I felt I should be doing, just for whatever reason, I had sort of internalized that. Oh, I, I need to be responsible for this. I need to take on this. You know, whether it's the the, the midnight and three a.m. and six a.m. feedings, I needed to relinquish some of that and push harder for that, and and not be afraid to ask uh, my husband and say, you know, not not that I'm afraid of him. <laughs> but no, to 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 give up that sense of responsibility enough to say, I need you to take 
X number of feedings and I will take Y number of feedings. Let's work this out uh, to sort of to sort of push for that and set firmer boundaries, you know, to give myself a break and, you know, to ensure that we're both sort of sort of sharing in the duties because he's he is an involved father and he, he cares very much. But there are times where I could have he, he maybe felt that, oh, well, she's got it. She's got it under control. She'll let me know if she needs anything. <laughs> Right, right. No, it's a great point. I remember when we had our first child when Anne was home on maternity leave, or maybe when she was going back. I remember, uh, I won't quite say it was an argument, but we were having a discussion about, you know, trying to get our, our mornings and trying to get out the door. And, and she asked me, she, and I, and I, in, a, in a moment, a rare moment of enlightenment, I think I asked her, what can I do to help? And, she, and it, was just, it was a small thing. But one that I did not realize how complicated it was at the time, just because I was not, I had not been home on maternity leave and had not, I just wasn't, hadn't done it. It was putting the various attachments on the milk bottles together once they came out of the dishwasher. I mean, it took a, you know, a, a, an engineering degree to figure some of that out. And it really was time consuming. And she said, you know, if you can do that, that would be a big help. And I, I, I you know, I was happy to do it. Well, I won't say happy, but I was more than willing to do it. I just didn't know. I had not, having not done it, and because she was taking on that mantle, it's just not something I picked up on. And once she said, you know, this is what I need help with, and I started doing it, I'm like, well, of course you needed help with it. This is taking me like, you know, 35 minutes to get all the bottle gear together and dried and put back in the cabinet. Um, oh, so familiar. Yeah. And, and when you're in a rush to get out the door and you're trying to get bottles together for daycare or whatever, it, or for, you know, sippy cups for lunches, yeah, and you're in a rush. It that makes it a thousand times more frustrating. Yeah, no, it, it's a it's a lot of work, um, you know. And I think those are all great great wins. I think probably what I, in addition to some of those, um, although I think it is a little bit different for men than women. Uh, but I think what I would have told my pre kid self was to enjoy it, enjoy the. I, I just remember, you know, as I look back, I'm like, wow, I thought I was busy, uh, but clearly I, you know. Clearly either, I mean, I was filling up that time with other things, right? Because I'm like, well, what did I do when I didn't have to get home? I I just can't remember. And I wish I could have told myself, you know what? Like, join a softball team, you know, knock off work at at a normal time and go and have a nice leisurely dinner with your wife. All the things that it becomes, you know, you just have precious little time for after you have children. I wish I had not filled my time with other busy stuff, which clearly was not important because I can't even remember what it was, except that I remember feeling busy before I had children. <laughs> well, and and those little things, well, it, it's, in a way it's hard because the things that you take for granted that when you, once you've had kids, you miss so much, like just a quiet evening out, having dinner, eating with both hands at like right. a nice restaurant and nothing is sticky <laughs> and nothing comes with, you know, you know, uh, chicken fingers, <laughs> little <laughs> things like that. You would never anticipate how much you would miss it. So true. So true. Well, um, Carla, thank you so much for, for being my first guest on this podcast. And I look forward to more great articles from your, your at work advice column. They are fantastic. And I will put uh, some of the ones that you highlighted that are relevant to parents at work in the show notes for this podcast. And, and maybe we can get you uh, back on again sometime. I would, I would love it. It's, it's been a real pleasure, and I always enjoy uh, when, when I'm able to contact you for, for legal help with these columns. Thanks for joining us for another episode of the Parents at Work podcast. Are you interested in learning more about our show, our hosts, or today's guest? Do you have a comment or question you'd like to share with the Parents at Work community? Then contact us at www.spigolaw.com slash podcast. We'll see you next time.